symbology. What is at stake? It is a big idea. A new world order where diverse nations are drawn together in common cause to achieve the universal aspirations of mankind. My question to you is, in any of your government jobs, have you ever been briefed on the subject of UFOs? And if you have, when was it? What were you told? Well, if I had been briefed on that, I'm sure it was probably classified and I couldn't talk about it. When I got out in 1989, we had cataloged 57 different species. We walked over to one side of the lab and he said, by the way, we've discovered a base. The very word secrecy is repugnant in a free and open society. And we are, as a people, inherently and historically opposed to secret societies, to secret oaths, and to secret proceedings. And we are live on Skywatchers Radio. Welcome, everybody, to the show. My name is Angel Espino, and we are broadcasting live tonight on the Dark Matter Radio Network and PSN Radio. First of all, I want to thank everyone listening tonight to our world premiere episode. This is a rehatching of sorts. It's a whole brand new Skywatchers Radio. You know, this is a real honor for us uh, to be live on this network owned by none other than uh, Keith Rowland. And I first started uh, this show back in 2010 with other co-hosts and uh, who've all moved on and uh, done other projects since then and you know so have I but when I heard that Keith was putting this wonderful network together I jumped up and I I quickly thought that I had to jump on this and get on this network with Keith so it really is an honor to be broadcasting live on Skywatchers radio and to bring you this show which has a history it has a, a lengthy archive sure some of, it, some, of it, some of it's not great some of it's decent some of it's pretty good but our mission now is to be great, and we have a lot to live up to. This is Dark Matter Radio Network and, of course, PSN Radio. So, who we are? This brand new Skywatchers Radio, and by now I'm sure you all know, again, who the, the name Keith Rowland, and either because for years you would hear Art Bell mention his name when referring to his webmaster, or because you've been following the recent developments with Art and him leaving XM. Uh, well, that's right. The same webmaster, Keith Rowland, that Art spoke about is the one who owns this network here. And that's kind of cool because we're, you know, we're going to be able to get to ask Keith Rowland to uh, put stuff on the website. I'm going to get to geek out a little bit about that. So that's pretty cool. But I'll get used to it, I'm sure. So on this adventure here, we're going to take everybody on a ride every Tuesday night at 11 p.m. Eastern. And on this ride, I'm going to have my brand new co-host. And I want to welcome him to the show, my good friend. Mr. Alan Weiler, how are you doing, my friend? Welcome to Skywatchers Radio, officially. Thanks for having me. I truly, truly appreciate it. I am so enthusiastic about this show that we have coming up and the many more to come, to say the least. Uh, this is going to be just an amazing ride. And, uh, you know, we're, we're both experiencers. I've had my own sightings, and I know you've had your own sightings. Uh, I want to tell everybody about us, but I want to let you go first because I have a history with the show and I, I know the audience kind of knows me already but they might not know who you are tell us a little bit about Alan Weiler and about your sightings and well, what got you interested in ufology sure 
A little abbreviated version about me is I've uh, had a nice little bit of a history in the UFO community and in the sci-fi comic book, anime, horror, and convention community. And uh, when I was eight, I had honestly my first encounter and seeing something in the sky I just cannot explain. And, you know, family thought I was crazy, uh, thought that I must be seeing things or imagining things. But three days later... Two other people in the neighborhood admitted to seeing it as well, too, without any poking or prodding from me. So, um, yeah, there's definitely something out there, to say the least. Then, of course, on the paranormal side, on the, uh, on the definitely paranormal side, uh, after my mom passed, I can honestly say I had an interesting experience occur a week or two after she passed, and I can honestly say I don't believe in life after death i know about life after death i have proof of it to say the least on audio video and photo so that's the short version of me interesting that's uh that's something i think we should get into really uh in depth here on the show yeah that 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 might be for another show that might be but not tonight's show but no, definitely, no. Are, that's a definitely interesting uh, backstory there, and I'm sure the audience are going to want to hear more about Alan Weiler's paranormal activities. Right. We're already going to be talking about life after death uh, tonight with the passing yes. of Lloyd. Yes, so. tonight with a heavy heart, uh, and let's just uh, jump right into it. With a heavy heart, uh, I have to bring you some very sad news in the world of ufology. We lost a friend just a day ago. Uh, Mr. Lloyd Pye passed away from cancer. Uh, it saddens me to no end uh, to find out that uh, he's gone, and I only found out about him being ill about a couple weeks ago when I was trying to contact him to uh, try to get him back on the show. I've had him on before, and he's uh, was, he was such a, a nice man and just a real gentleman. Um, I had actually spoken to Lloyd in about almost seven or eight months, uh, but our last conversation, like I said, you know, he said, yeah, you know, I'll be back on in December. And uh, when I tried to reach out to him and I found out, you know, that he was sick, I was really trying to, you know, pray for him and pulling for him for, for him to get better. So when I heard the news, man, it just it really broke my heart. Uh, what a gentleman, a real hero, a mentor, a friend uh, to myself and to many others in ufology. And Alan, I, I know you, you met Lloyd briefly, right? You, you and him actually met face to face. Yeah, as a matter of fact, I did at one point in time. I was at a paranormal convention and going on in Tampa. And I'm telling you what an easy guy to talk to. Really, really got a good head on his shoulders. It was, it was just good. Com- he, he was a real salt-of-the-earth kind of guy. He was, he was just that easily approachable and, you know, a good person to talk to. Yeah, you know, I've had several conversations with him, and uh, he just seemed, you know, from the moment I met him, he seemed like somebody that I've always known in my life. You know, like just uh, he's very approachable, very nice human being. I'm really going to miss uh, Lloyd Pye. Now, we're going to have uh, somebody on in a little while who really needs no introduction to anybody who listens to Paranormal Radio or Ufology Radio. Uh, one person who I have spoken to many times on radio and I consider a very good friend. And he considered Lloyd Pye to be a very good friend. And uh, that's none other than Stephen Bassett. And uh, he's going to join us in a few minutes when we go to break. And uh, when we come back from break, I should say. Uh-huh. And um, he wants to share his thoughts on his good friend, uh, Mr. Lloyd Pye. Uh, for those of you who are not very familiar with him, um, I or I'm talking about Lloyd Pye. I'm gonna play an audio. It's a compilation uh, that would, there is uh, of uh, Lloyd in his lectures, and you're gonna get a little, uh, I guess, a little insight on who Lloyd Pye was. 
Um, and again, when Stephen calls in, he's going to be able to share his thoughts and uh, you know his opinion on uh, the, the life that this man lived. He really was a you know a person that inspired a lot. I mean, he really did. He, not only because of the one star, you know, the star child uh, skull that he kept up. Uh, trying to see if it was human or it was alien. Uh, but a lot of other uh, theories and, and things he, he talked about in his lectures are really inspiring stuff. And uh, Stephen has, uh, of course, uh, a lot to say, and uh, we're going to welcome him in, again in about maybe 20 minutes. Um, now, if you do guys, if you want to call in and share your thoughts on Lloyd Pye or want to ask Stephen anything or you want to ask myself, Angel Espino, or my co-host, Alan, any uh, questions, you can reach us by two methods. East of the Rockies. I've always wanted to say that. <laughs> you can reach us at 786-245-8127. Or if you can find us on Skype, I mean, we are on Skype. You can reach us there on PSN Radio. Uh, I hope soon we'll have maybe another number uh, from Dark Matter Radio Network to uh, add to the list or maybe their Skype that we could uh, use. Uh, but for now, you can look us up on those. And you can also look us up on Twitter by checking us at Twitter at uh, Skywatchers TV. Also on Facebook. Uh, Facebook.com forward slash Skywatchers Radio. And uh, you'll get all the latest news and insights on what's going on here. So if you guys want to actually tweet us or if you want to send us any private messages through Facebook, go ahead. We are actively looking at it and we'll read whatever questions you have on the air. Um, we also have a few stories that we wanted to go over real quick before we do go to break and get Stephen on. Uh, but before we do that, I also wanted to let you guys know that on the second hour, we're going to be joined by a, uh, by a guest. His name is Frank Stetler, and uh, he's going to join us uh, for the entire second hour now. Uh, Frank became interested in space uh, late during the uh, Gemini program. I, I know you're familiar with that program, right, Alan? Yeah, as a matter of fact, I am a little bit. Yeah. I'm more into well, the Apollo stuff, That whether we were there or not there on the moon. Well, that's a whole other topic. We can well, get to that later. He became interested during the Gemini program all through the Apollo moon missions and uh, beyond first became interested in, in UFOs uh, during a very famous flap during the early 1970s in uh, Pensacola. Uh, and, and there was a, a Pensacola abduction case and everything uh, being the most famous uh, from those days. Um, he's going to be with us. His name again is, is uh, Frank Statler. So that's going to be very cool. He's going to join us for the entire second hour of the show. Uh, now, like I said, there is a couple uh, of news reports around the world that I wanted to share with the audience. Um, now, I don't know if you've been, uh, I know you've been on the road, Alan. I know you're, you've been traveling today, so I know that you haven't exactly been, you know, been keeping up with what's going on in the news. Yeah, the my last, rental uh, doesn't have, X, yeah, my rental doesn't have XM satellites, so I'm stuck listening to what's on my phone, uh, plugged in, uh, yeah, I haven't heard what's happened, so you have to bring me up to speed as well, too. Well, check this out. This is actually really interesting, and uh, this uh, they just reported the final numbers on this thing, and it's incredible. But uh, on CNN reported that 200,000 people have applied to live on Mars as of as December 10th, 2013. With the way things are going with Obamacare, I truly believe that, absolutely. Uh, I'm not shocked and surprised at all. Not shocking, right? Now, it says here, if you have ambitions of being one of the first people on Mars, listen up. A Dutch company says it's moving along with its plan to send four lucky Earthlings, that'd be you and I, to colonize the Red Planet. Uh, the catch here, now, they won't ever come back. Eh, that's kind of the catch. It's a one-way well, trip. 
Well, I'm okay with that technically, but uh, you know, my biggest worry is is that there's only going to be four of us on the ship. Uh, I'm hoping someone doesn't go postal on there uh, because you that's know, gonna, yeah, you know, <laughs> you know, only four people on the ship. Someone sneezes, something happens in space. Um, that's going to cut down your ability to populate a planet, to say the least. Well, 200,000 people. That's You could definitely populate the planet with 200,000 people. No, no, no. Now. Hold on. 200,000 other people that applied doesn't mean right. they were approved. Right, 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 right. But, I mean, that they could pick a lot more than four people is what I'm saying. When they have that many people applying, there's going to be plenty to choose from. Well, did you, see, did you ever see that movie Gattaca that came out years ago? About yes. the people that were had to be exactly, exactly, exactly perfect to be able to leave this planet now, to the, colonize the first, another planet. The first four people that, are, that would go with the first first lucky Earthlings that would colonize the planet, uh, you really can't. I don't think they can populate the planet with four. Obviously, that's not going to happen. Right. Uh, yeah, but I mean, if that's successful, just having them live there for a couple of years, uh, this could open a floodgate to all those two hundred thousand people. And then you know, if it's successful, we might lose like half of Earth's population in. in a yeah, it's, of no time. it's not going to happen. Can you imagine <laughs> how many tests you need to go through just to be able to qualify to get off this planet? Just think about this. You got first. You got to make sure you don't have any type of cancers. Then, of course, all sorts of. You don't have to have any enough. You know, you can't have had. I'm sure any type of viral or bacteriological infections. Right. You know, you got to have such a clean bill of health. Um, I don't think anybody on the planet will pass. Now, it says here the Mars One Foundation announced Tuesday that it has secured lead suppliers for an unmanned mission launching in 2018, which involves a robotic lander and communication satellites. Uh, Lockheed Martin has been uh, con- contracted to study building uh, the lander. And um, the survey uh, is called the Surrey Satellite Technologies. Uh, it's one that's going to actually develop the concept uh, and study of the satellite. So they're really going to go on with this mission. This looks like maybe by 2025 going to have the first pioneers land on Mars. The first mm. man. Now, you know what's scary, though, and you kind of hit it on the head that something could go wrong. Every mission that we had sent to Mars originally, you know, the first, you know, things that we sent out, they just take pictures, uh, you know, had problems. So the Chinese had the, the famous uh, Phobos 1 and, you know, and 2 incident where it just disappeared, and then one of them looked like an, uh, a UFO hit it. You know what I mean? So what are the odds of uh, them going up there and, uh-oh, well, we're not alone, and... Uh, they disappear. That would be tragic and, and horrible. Uh, I, I don't know if I feel comfortable with uh, sending any human beings to, to Mars yet. I think we need to study with robots a little bit more before we get to sending well, human beings. But it is a, a very cool endeavor and one that I think could definitely be popular in the near future. And 200,000, that's amazing. That's more than applied for Obamacare, ironically enough. <laughs> well, what would you say if I turned around and said to you, what do I... I think we've already been there, or at least some government agency has already been there. Now I'm not ah. going. I'm not going down that conspiracy theory path. But Edgar Mitchell himself said he'd like to go back to Mars, and yeah, as an accidental slip up uh, right. on an interview, which I'm sure everybody can find on uh, YouTube. accidental. Sure, sure, we believe that was an accident. <laughs> I think I think that was more of a slip of the tongue. He knew. Ex- I think he that, didn't know what that was, he was a slip thinking. of the tongue. Wink, wink, type of you know, wink. Yeah, it, it's yeah. I, th- I I honestly think we've been there already. 
I, I really so you, do. I think we've I had think so missions. Yeah. You know, whether it's going to come to public light now or in a decade or 12, um, I think we've been there already. That's I, my gut instinct. I have to agree. I think we have been there, but it's funny that uh, they're putting this out there. This is, I think, and you know, when we talk to Stephen in a little while, uh, Steve Bassett, who's going to join us in a few minutes, uh, when we get him on the line, this is something I'm sure he's going to want to attack as soon as he talks about uh, Lloyd Pye. Uh, because, you know, he is fighting for disclosure. That's really the number one goal that Steve Bassett has is getting disclosure out there. And, and this seems to me one of the leading steps towards getting disclosure, something like this happening, uh, where they started saying, yeah, you know what, we're going to colonize a part of Mars. Because, look, even if we've been to Mars, all right, let's say we've already been to Mars for the last 20 years and we've colonized part of Mars. I'm pretty sure somewhere on that planet there's nothing going on maybe like a dead piece of land or something. We could put them there in a bubble and say, hey, you're the first four. Huh? First four. Nobody's ever be. been here. And on the other side of Mars is like a whole city and you know a little bar and cantina where aliens are walking around and humans <laughs> with lightsabers. Yeah. yeah, I'm hoping we'll be able to have some lightsabers then. Yeah, I, I like that idea. I'm still waiting for my uh, hoverboard from Back to the Future, but lightsabers would be nice you know you you cracked that joke but all i could honestly say to that is is that um san diego comic-con one of the uh anniversary special products that they had was a 25 year anniversary of a hoverboard oh very nice but did it hover well it looked like the actual hoverboard whether it worked so or not it was pink so it was no. pink so it was a pink barbie hoverboard well I don't know, you know, they had it as an anniversary present out there, you know, that you get. Uh, the whole thing was, is I don't think it was fully functional. Uh, Would have been nice, but yeah, didn't happen. Well, I'm still waiting for a working hoverboard. And uh, they better get get it together. 2015 is right around the corner. Huh? Yeah, that's... Not it's going to happen, probably. No. Yeah, that's definitely right around the corner. Now, check this out. I have another news article here. The first person in the world to become a government-recognized cyborg was announced recently. Did you read this article? No, I haven't. What's the catch? Oh, this is crazy. Uh, and I'll send you the link here. In fact, I'm going to post the links uh, on the chat room if you guys want to check out what we're talking about and follow along. Uh, PSN-radio.com does have a chat room. Is I'm going to go through the link here. PSN-radio.com forward slash listen dash chat dash Live, L-I-V-E, and you'll be in the chat room. And we'll drop all the links in there again. We'll post some of the stuff also on uh, Facebook.com forward slash Skywatchers Radio so you can follow along with what we're talking about here because, you know, that's part of, of what always made uh, listening to Art early on cool that you could kind of follow along with what was going on because he had such a great webmaster like Keith Rowland to put all the stuff on there. <laughs> and and one day, Keith, I, I will be saying, uh, our webmaster Keith Rowland is... Uh, Posting some pictures on there for us. It'll be up there pretty soon. But for Excellent. now, we could we could we could take care of this. Uh, but check this out. Now, this is an amazing story. The first cyborg, huh? Neil Harbison is the first person on the planet to have a passport photo that shows his cyborg nature. Now, his UK passport. He's wearing a head-mounted device called an iBorg. The colorblind artist says the iBorg allows him to see color. And he wants to help other cyborgs like himself gain more rights. That's right. I didn't know there were other cyborgs like himself. Now, anyone yeah, who has I, I got to ask, hey. how many more cyborgs are out there? 
I see he's, he's the first. So uh, he's a little early on this uh, whole rights movement thing. Okay, uh, I got to ask another first. question then. If he's got a passport when he leaves uh, the UK, does he say "I'll be back"? That's a good question. <laughs> now, I'm going to reach out to his publicist and I'm going to ask him if he if he does that. That's a very good question. Now, as I say, anyone who's gotten a passport photo knows uh, Harbison uh, has accomplished something that once seemed bureaucratically impossible. Other people with cyborg headgear like Steve Mann, so I guess there's others, uh, have had their fear forcibly removed uh, and been refused entrance into buildings for wearing devices on their heads. But with a passport photo that shows the eyeborg as part of your actual face, it will be harder for people to argue that his eyeborg is an optional accessory, like a camera or a hat. Um, and anybody or, or and somebody trying to take his argumentation off could be committing a violent crime. Equivalent to injuring his face. Interesting. So, in other words, he will be legally able to use that device wherever he wants, and he will be classified as a cyborg. All right. Well, hey, I'm not going to argue the with future, that. Folks, we're living in the future. That's interesting, that, huh? I, I, I'm, I'm speechless. I'm scared. Uh, <laughs> He's going to take over the planet. Um, yeah, wow. Uh, that's all I could say to that is, wow. Now, with that and uh, possible disclosure coming up soon, we're going to be cyborgs and aliens on this planet. That's the only thing we're going to have, cyborgs. Science fiction is soon becoming science reality or science fact, huh? Yeah, I'm just going to you know, trade in and get an upgrade for myself here. Um, just digital download me at this point. <laughs> now there's uh, another story that I'm going to go through real quick and I'm going to post it in the chat room this is from dailymail.co.uk uh, so anybody who wants to check this out this is uh, some interesting lights you know this is Skywatchers Radio so of course what are we What are we going to talk about here if not something Sky related well, most of the time right UFOs, Skywatchers look if a big asteroid is coming to Earth we're going to talk about it because it's Sky related right if the Virgin Mary is coming down from the clouds, guess what? We're going to be on radio saying, the Virgin Mary is coming down from the clouds. This is amazing, my friend. And we're going to talk about it. But check that. Check this out. I posted the link in the chat room again from dailymail.co.uk. Uh, it says here, beam me up, Scotty. Scientists left baffled as mysterious columns of colored lights appear in the night sky. And, uh, Alan, I'm going to send you the link also here on Skype uh, so you can check this out. Uh, amazing light show. Now, I think it was Thor's Bifrost. Possibly, but let me get through the story first before you oh, sorry. give the answer of what it is. Now, these stunning images <laughs> show mysterious columns of light streaming into the sky above the town of uh, Singulda in La- Latvia. Latvia, I butcher names. At the end of last month, uh, taken by designer, um, and I'm going to butcher his name, Eguar Tuzin. Something like that. Uh, with a standard digital camera, the photographs have prompted excited online discussions about, among uh, amateur astronomers all over the Internet. Uh, one quote here says, My son exclaimed, uh, The aliens are coming! Kept, the kid kept yelling as they were being interviewed about the, the photos. They really are truly beautiful. Now, are you looking at them? Uh, I'm trying to find the link. How far up? It's right on Skype. Uh, just look in your Skype chat there, buddy. It's right in there. Now, it certainly looked that way. He added... Oh, in my Skype chat, not in the it, Well, it's in both, in the room. actually. It's in both. You can look at it in both in the room and on Skype in both places. Again, oh. psn-radio.com has a chat. Just go there. Now, it certainly looked that oh, way, okay. he added, but experts are agreeing uh, that there'd be, you know, 
probably more like uh, Prozac. Uh, what is it? Prozac explanation? Is that what you said earlier? Prozac. Prosaic, right? That's what you said, and that's what they actually think it is. So you actually nailed it right in the head. That's why I was like, "Don't say it yet." I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I was saying <laughs> it humorously because I saw Thor in 3D and 2D, and you know that's the rainbow effect kind of thing. It's really cool, though. You got to see this thing. They really kind of do look alien-ish. Yeah. I, now, okay. Here, here's the issue. I'm looking at the photo now. The question is, is that is the light coming up or is the light coming down? Because I'm seeing two light sources on the bottom. Right. Uh, one for each. One for each one, and it looks like, uh, like maybe it's a lamppost instead of facing downwards, turned upwards. Hmm. I kind of see that. Yeah, I can kind of see that. You know, I'm I'm not you know I'm I'm trying to sort of kind of debunk. Uh, I mean, you know, it's it's a. Str- I mean, I don't see any. It's a cool effect, you know. And here's the thing: with oh, yeah, the yeah, borealis and all kinds of uh, you know effects that we get in the night sky. I mean, this is just a very cool effect of something. But and well, you look at the light sources underneath on the bottom, and I'm like, yeah. Um, I don't know. Um, that's Actually, a really you... bad fog and mist. I, you know what I would think of it maybe. Um, I would think they're, you know, what do they call them? Dust devils, but you know, with some mist in it. I don't know there. There's got to be more to that. You know, well, they're, they're, their their explanations are uh, prosaic uh, and also ice that are I guess equivalent to ice crystals in the air. Was it only one night, or has it repeated multiple nights? Well, it doesn't doesn't really say here. I guess it might have only been that one night. Um, but it says it was in the skies all over Europe, uh, and they've all been filled with such natural phenomenon during cold snaps in recent weeks. That in itself is kind of weird because this is not something that is very normal. So uh, I it's think been it's Tesla technology. Hmm, that could be. That's a whole different show. Okay, fine. We'll set that up for next week's show. That'd be. Yeah, a little bit later. But look, some of the pictures here looks really beautiful for winter. It's uh, definitely starting to look like winter. Starting to look like yes. Christmas, huh? Yeah, no, no, it's beautiful. Yeah, you know, unfortunately, can't shape it like a Christmas tree. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, no kidding, uh, guys. Uh, we're gonna actually be on. Uh, we're gonna be on with. Uh, our guest, Steve Bassett, in a little bit here, he's uh, getting ready for us. Uh, we're going to go to a quick commercial break. When we do return, we will be with uh, Mr. Stephen Bassett. So please stick around on Skywatchers Radio. And uh, if you guys want to call in, again, the number is 786-245-8127. Or you can Skype us on PSN Radio. This is the Dark Matter Radio Network. We'll be right back. I've seen her face I pray she's doing fine I still recall Our sad last day How it hurts so bad to see her cry I didn't want to say goodbye Send her my love, memories remain Send her my love, roses never came Send her my love, 
Okay, okay, here it is. Life Change Tea's commitment to excellence. Once again, Ronnie McMullen here, challenging you to a better lifestyle and health. On my radio show, I challenge people to think and act on good mental health, and this, in turn, promotes great physical health. Life Change Tea is a head start product to help aid your health and bring you your best life. And Life Change Tea doesn't taste like tea. It tastes great. So now, here's your holiday bonus. Buy now a one-month supply, and we'll give you two weeks for free. It's our holiday giveaway, and it's the best sale of the year. Lose weight and feel great this holiday season. So order now. Call 928-308-0408. Again, 928-308-0408. Or you can log on to GetTheTea.com. That's GetTheTea.com. Remember, we love love our customers and our customers love our tea get the tea.com here's a riddle for you what do the california gold rush of the 1850s secret societies coded messages mysterious 19th century flying machines and an early 20th century outside artist named charles a a delshaw all have in common the secrets of delshaw by dennis crenshaw and pete navarro go to www secretsofdelshaw.com to learn more. Put a team of professional consultants behind your home or business computer with Key Information Solutions. Providing solutions to your internet and computing needs while keeping you on the cutting edge of technology. Preventative maintenance and networking support. Hardware and custom built computers. Let Key Information Solutions be your personal tech staff for your home or office with affordable hourly, monthly, or annual rates to fit anyone's budget. Call Key Information Solutions now. 954-973-3374 That's 954-973-3374 Or visit keyinformation.com Do your kids share a bedroom with a sibling? Is dorm room privacy a problem? Introducing Privacy Pop, a new way to create a private and comforting space on your bed. Privacy Pop is a bed tent that fits over twin, twin extra long, full, and queen beds. Privacy Pop is your ticket to seclusion in crowded sleeping quarters. Privacy Pop is the perfect holiday gift for the youngster who likes building forts and cramped college dorm rooms. Log on to privacypop.com and see how this unique sleeping system easily pops out from a small carrying case. Easy to store and simple to set up. Privacypop.com. That's privacypop.com. The perfect holiday gift for your grandchildren or your own kids who want a fun bed fort. Choose their favorite color. See this unique sleeping system now. Act now for a limited time offer. Use promo code RADIO in the checkout cart for free shipping. Log on to privacypop.com. Use promo code RADIO for free shipping. Mental disorders are common in the United States and internationally. An estimate 26.2% of Americans ages 18 and older suffer from some sort of mental illness. Now this figure translates to 57.7 million people who suffer from some sort of mental breakdown. If you find yourself laying in bed on a Sunday night hearing voices while you're trying to sleep, well it might not be that demonic being from another dimension trying to kill you where you sleep. It might just be your mental illness starting to kick in. So if you're out of meds for the night, then I have just the thing. Come listen to my show, The Jackal's Head. You can check out our Listen Live page only on www.psn-radio.com. See you there. 
This ad has been paid for by the Jackal's Head and the War on Terror. War. It's fantastic. All right, everybody, welcome back to Sky Watchers Radio right here on the Dark Matter Radio Network. And, of course, PSN Radio with us now is our guest for the uh, next half hour. And uh, thank you, Alan, for coughing there right when we come back from break. Good job. Uh, Mr. Stephen Bassett is on the line with us, and we're going to talk about, uh, you know, a couple things, uh, starting off with uh, the passing of Lloyd Pye, a good friend, uh, a mentor to many, and uh, uh, such a gentleman, Lloyd Pye. Uh, Stephen, welcome to the show, my friend. Uh, it's good to be with you again. Tell us a little bit about you know your uh, history with Lloyd. I know you wanted to uh, kind of uh, give the audience a little bit of uh, your background with Lloyd and uh, what he meant to ufology. Well, Lloyd and I were just we were just one year apart in age, mm-hmm. um, and I've met him several times over the years. Um, we both. Uh, had friends in, in London, UK. Linda McKenzie, the wonderful woman, has helped him, helped me. We stayed there at her place as he was over doing research on the Star Child Skull. And he, he's one of many colleagues. Uh, and over the 17 years that I've been in the field, I've you know gotten to know a, a large number of people that sort of represent this community of citizen science researchers. Actually, it's citizen science researcher activists is what it is. And what I mean by that, I mean, uh, well, and because of the ET tooth embargo, uh, not a single college university in the country is teaching extraterrestrial phenomena, teaching about this issue, in spite of all the vast information that's available. Correct, yeah. And, there are no academics that, with very few exceptions, will even come out and address the issue in a, in a comprehensive way. There are a few, but even then, they have to do this sort of on the edges, nothing in the center. And so uh, the community had to do its own science, had to do its own research, had to create its own journals um, to try to investigate what was going on with no funding because, because of the truth embargo. This is, there's been no philanthropic funding, both private or institutional. There's really no government funding. So they had to pay for it themselves out of their own pockets. Right. Uh, uh, the, the work itself is, is, is difficult. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, it's, it's controversial. So it takes, takes price. There's price to be paid sometimes in family and relationships. And I see this throughout the community, the sacrifices that are made. Um, which just is even more galling than when, when people who don't know better criticize or make fun of the, the people that are pursuing this issue. Uh, people who wouldn't even think of making the sacrifices the individuals are making. Lloyd was one of these. He had, uh, he's a very smart fellow, wonderful college career, an athlete, um, good writer, lecturer, uh, really could have, done anything he wanted. Um, mm-hmm. He certainly could have been a mainstream writer of books, a mainstream lecturer, uh, projects very well, but he embraced this issue and went down that path. Now, uh, he's but, best known, of course, for for the Star Child skull that he discovered and uh, 
That's really what mainstream people in ufology kind of know him from. But he's meant so much more than that to ufology. Well, I mean, that's where he ends up. But, I mean, he right. had a life before that. And, right, right. Um, uh, and he was he's a p- upbeat, positive guy, healthy, didn't smoke, didn't drink, and all of that. Um, and and what I know, that, so when he finally arrives at his sort of, I guess you could say, destiny, which is the star child uh, uh, skull, which is comes into his uh, conscious radar, becomes aware of it, going by. It's a couple in, in, in Mexico, and starts to get into it. He he he, he finally has found his end end game, and, and it's a tough road, a very very tough road. Uh, there's just nothing more than dif- more difficult than materials analysis or bioanalysis in this field, because you have to engage mainstream science to go anywhere. I mean, it's one of those things where just citizen science ain't going to cut it. Um, right. If you've got a piece of metal, you say it's from the Roswell crash. You just can't take it to the guy down the street to look at his garage and then say, oh, we have an extraterrestrial piece of metal. You have got to get big-time metallurgists to look at this, analyze it with highly sophisticated equipment, extremely expensive. This is one of the most difficult paths to take. Lynn Moulton Howe taking this path, Roger Lear is taking this path, and uh, Lloyd took it with the Star Trial Skull. And all I can say is I couldn't have done it. Um, it would have been more than I could have borne uh, because it cost a ton of money. He had to yes, raise money. Yep. He didn't spend any of it himself. It all had to go to, to pursue this research, which is why he didn't have any health insurance, which, like so many of my colleagues, meant that he didn't have could afford to go get checkups and things, wasn't able to do the things you really should do to avoid having a serious medical problem. Mm-hmm. Um and, but he did it all with this very positive, upbeat attitude, uh, uh, about as positive a person as I have run into in the field, uh, always looking forward, never criticizing others, uh, just staying focused on what he's doing. Um, and it, th- that's exactly the kind of person it took to deal with what was involved in resolving the issue around this skull. It was going to take somebody like Lloyd. Otherwise, they just would burn out. They couldn't do it. So, you know, it was just awful when I learned that he, uh, it, it, you know, the same age as I, got handed this this really bad uh, roll of the dice, uh, which is essentially the very aggressive lymphoma cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, there are many kinds of lymphoma cancers. He got just about the worst, and because he didn't have medical insurance, because he didn't. You know, have the money to have, you know, go to doctors all the time because he was wrapped up in passion about what he was doing. He wasn't getting checkups. And when they found it, it was the size of a softball. And he had no pain, oh. which is which is another uh, thing. He went in for something completely different. He had no pain associated with the cancer. It was something else that he had wrong with him. I think yeah. it was a bladder issue. That's why, you, that's why you get physicals. That's why you get right. checkups. That's why you get exactly. physicals. Uh, yeah. Because, you know, you don't, you have to catch it. Well, of course, if, you know, if it happens to be this kind, it, it, again, you're, you're in trouble. But it, it, and, and look, it's, it, it, I'm angry not only about Lloyd, but also about the American health care system, which is a disaster. Yeah. Yes. Uh, it, it, it's, it's illusion, and it's just awful, uh, not for the rich. The rich are fine. Uh, right. But for the general public, it is a catastrophe, and yet you got all these people running around saying it's the best in the world. All of this drives me crazy, but I won't go there. Just to say that it, it, that just makes it a little harder to deal with that. That we've lost a good man, and and we're, we've lost others, and we're going to lose more because uh, if you don't, if you 
if you don't have insurance, if you're putting everything into your activism or your science, if you're pursuing the kinds of things we pursue with the kind of passion, you're going to roll the dice. And you're not going to take care of this and that. You're not going to go to the doctors, and you can get nailed. And this is going to happen again. Uh, but that said, uh, I'm very pained that Lloyd did not live to see the resolution of that research. Uh, Whatever he had there, whatever that score presents, what, what, what was the what was the latest on, on the research with the skull? I mean, I know there was testing done recently, and or not recently, but now not too long ago, that actually brought back some uh, DNA results. Correct? He's got. He's had a series of DNA results. Um, okay. This is extremely complicated stuff, um, and clearly there's anomalies. There's definitely anomalies, right. but. When you get into that realm, I mean, it's one thing for a, you know, a, a, an Air Force uh, non-con to come forward and say, look, I was on a crash retrieval team, and I was sent out to retrieve crash, and we picked up this vehicle at such and such a place, and it had dead aliens. And I mean, that's one thing. Right. Pretty straightforward. It's a piece of, it's, 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 it's firsthand testimony clearly points to an extraterrestrial reality. It is another thing to pursue the extraterrestrial issue by going through the scientific window of deep DNA analysis on anomalous biological specimen. Uh, this requires a scientific method process. It can take years and years to get resolved, which is, again, that's the path that he, that he took. Um, so uh, it, it, assuming that the skull and the work that's been done is been passed on to a... Uh, a, a new uh, caretaker. Uh, he certainly had time to do that. Uh, we don't know if he did or not, but we all assume that something, some arrangements were made, and it will go forward. But it, again, it's not going to be easy. It may take a long time, but at some point, we may know exactly what is going on with that skull, and, and his work will have a kind of closure. Um, now, who's, who's the caretaker so, of the skull now? Is this going to stay in his family? Is there somebody in particular? Well, the skull, remember, the skull is, is owned by a couple in, in Mexico. He, is, he has it essentially uh, on loan to work with. Um, so exactly the ownership of the skull, what's going to happen, I think it's probably complicated as well. Nothing's been said. Nothing's going to be said for a while. I imagine that somebody in his family will make some sort of announcements in a, a certain amount of time about what's going to happen with that particular evidentiary work. Uh, obviously, an awful lot's been done. It would be a shame if it was not completed. It may be that this is something that won't get resolved until after disclosure, like many, many other things. When the uh, willingness and the money to to pursue exactly what's going on with that skull will probably be abundant. Um, Pre-disclosure may not be possible. In fact, I felt it was that way even while Lord was working on it. I, I felt that this was not a pre-disclosure um, uh, resolution that there was just too much involved and the resources weren't going to be there not that it's still not worth doing so you know the long and the short of it is that you know on a personal level we lost a really good person um, uh, that was nothing but a positive force in the field that's always a tragedy on another level um, Lloyd is representative of the price that you have to pay to go uh, and get involved in this kind of work, which which then brings us into 
the consequences of truth embargo and government interference in the truth process and so forth. There's always going to be prices that are paid, and they're usually paid by the people. And that's happened before. Um, and so these are the things that are on my mind as I, as I consider Lloyd's passing. Now, moving forward, uh, what's actually developing now with uh, the whole disclosure uh, movement? I know you have the movie that's coming out or you're working on still. Uh, you want to talk about that a little bit? Oh, yeah. There's, there's a lot going on. Um, there's been some very unusual developments in the last few days. As we've talked about on your show before, mm-hmm. PRG is going to launch a fairly comprehensive broad-spectrum campaign to get hearings in Congress on the ET issue early next year, hopefully by April latest, if not March. And what I mean is everybody has heard about all the witnesses that have been coming forward in, in the last 25 years, 30 years. I, well, not 23 years, since 1991, primarily. But yeah, there's scores of them. And some of them were uh, brought into the public arena in 2001 at a press conference at the National Press Club. Some more were brought forward at a press conference in 2007. Some more were brought forward in a press conference at the National Press Club in 2010. And then, of course, comes the citizen hearing on disclosure, where 40 witnesses were brought to the National Press Club, but not to give a press conference, but to testify before four members of Congress for 30 hours and five days. So... Everybody sort of knows these witnesses there. What hasn't happened is that these witnesses have not given a chance to go on Capitol Hill and testify before congressional committees. And there's a reason for that. Uh, the people in the know within government that know this issue, they, maybe because they're even involved in it, managing it, know full well that, certainly since 92, that if any hearings were held with these kinds of witnesses before the committee, that would be the end of the truth embargo. That would be it period. Uh, These hearings would be extensively covered by tons of media. They'd be broadcast around the world and you'd have these committee members listening to this testimony and basically undergoing the same kind of reaction that the citizen hearing committee members, former members of Congress, underwent. And so those hearings have not been allowed to happen. Every effort to get hearings has has been blocked or died out, uh, but it just didn't happen. And there have been a number of attempts. Well, this is going to be the most intensive ever and we have a very powerful tool uh, to help us get a job done, and that is the citizen hearing on disclosure DVDs. The edited record of the whole citizen hearing, which will be delivered to everybody on the Hill uh, in January. Now, now and, and this has been announced. This has been announced. There's major press releases that haven't gone out, but it's been announced going all the way back into uh, uh, early November um, that this is coming. So with that in mind, some things just happened, which I can't help but be intrigued by. First, November, December the 4th, six days ago, out of the blue, I didn't know this was coming. Uh, may have been announced. I just didn't catch it. But out of the blue, the House Science, Space, and Technology Committee holds a little hearing, a little two-hour hearing, uh, on Capitol Hill were three astrobiologists, and it's called the Hearing on Astrobiology. And these three astrobiologists come in, and they testify to the usual safe stuff about uh, how to think about life outside the planet, what it might be like, uh, the new exoplanet uh, uh, discoveries, 
uh, the increased likelihood of, of uh, life elsewhere, how they might find life on another planet, all this kind of stuff. All the kind right. of safe stuff that Sagan was even talking about 30 years ago. But they held this hearing in the middle of December. And, and uh, they knew they were going to take a lot of criticism over it, which they did. Meaning, you know, you guys are not getting anything done, but here you are talking to astrobiologists about ex- extraterrestrials. Uh, but they did it anyway. Um, and it went very nicely. The Democrats and Republicans got along splendidly because it's a nonpartisan issue. They asked some reasonably good questions. The whole thing is up on YouTube. You can go watch the whole two hours. And that was on the 4th of December. And I said, well, that's interesting. Hmm. What, a, how, what a coincidence. The Gildas were hearing just a few weeks before PRG is going to launch its full frontal assault you know, on the Hill. <laughs> and then, four days later, Barack Obama is at the Kennedy Center. Right. Uh, as part of the Kennedy Center Honors. Now, those those are taped then. They were taped on the 8th. Now, that, that show will appear on the 29th of December. But this, the news is already out about it, and one of the honorees is Shirley MacLaine. Now, MacLaine knows a lot about this subject, including stuff she's learned directly from presidents, some of the things, some of which she's never told anybody. So he introduces her in the process. He brings up Area 51 and makes a little joke and talks about right. how he wants to know about stuff like that. He calls Shirley. And then he makes an interesting comment. I guess I'm the first president to ever say Area 51. Yes. <laughs> well, well, that's interesting. Yep. Right? And then the next day, article, New York Times. Let's give a little background to this. Now, I talked about it on your show. 1993, right. launched Rockefeller approaches the Clinton administration. Uh, he wants Bill Clinton to release all the UFO files. He wants him to grant an amnesty to anybody in the government to come forward and bring the information out. In other words, he wants disclosure. He wants Bill Clinton to be the disclosure president. Right. So that begins the Rockefeller Initiative. It lasts for three years. During those three years, John Podesta was a key advisor to Clinton in the White House and fully aware that this initiative was going on. Later, he becomes Clinton's chief of staff in the last four years. After Clinton leaves office, John Podesta, in 2002, comes to the National Press Club and uh, on camera uh, states that the government should release all its UFO files. He comes back in 2003 and states it again. He then makes similar comments in a foreword to a book by Leslie Kaye. As of December the 9th, according to an article in the New York Times, Barack Obama is bringing... Hmm. John Podesta back into the White House. I saw that posting, yes. I saw you post that uh, on, be uh, quote, on and, yeah. yeah, a counselor. He's going to be in, a counselor for, for a year. In other words, he's, he's, coming, he's, going to, in other words, he's not just going to be hanging out. He's already, right. you know, I guess you say a non-hired advisor. He's coming in to be formally part of the White House for a year. Because the quote, as the Times put it, the Obama administration is in a very bad place. Lowest yeah, ratings ever. I got, yes, I got to ask is. a question. Do we know what mm-hmm. position he's going to come in as? Has it been announced what exactly his title is going to be, what his duties are going to entail? The only thing that the Times has said was that he would be a counselor to the president, which means that no formal, no formal position has been assigned. So I guess you could say that's really basically aid, an aid to a president. Well, if um, he's a counselor, does that mean Obama's a camper? I'm, I'm, I'm sorry I have to crack that joke, but he acts like a child sometimes. Uh, and, and, yeah, well, you know, I said, Jeff, you went for it. I, I appreciate that. Uh, 
but also they mentioned that he might be advising him about certain domestic policies or whatever. Look, all I can say is, oh, oh, by the way, by the way, Time Magazine today comes out with an article on its website, jumps on this right away. I mean, the article was about the fact that, well, they're bringing Podesta back, but here's five reasons why they may not want to, and they list a number of things that Podesta has said and commented on that are, that are not favorable to Obama's uh, uh, tenure so far. He's, he's been frank and somewhat critical of Obama for time. Yeah, he's been very uh, vocal about Obama's uh, presidential administration. Yeah, and it leads to five things. And guess what the fifth one was? UFOs. Oh, really? And Time Magazine is talking about how he <laughs> called for the release of files. And so, so Time Magazine just re-brought that up and stuck it right back out there. And so these three things happened December the 4th, December the 8th, and December the 9th, and then the Time Magazine article, December the 10th. This is pretty unusual. Uh, and so I'm contemplating this. And I'm saying, well, let me just throw out a, just a speculation, just a, just a thought for your, your listeners. If I'm Barack Obama and my presidency is sinking out of sight and I'm losing my mojo and the, and the, and the uh, even Oprah's turning numbers are down, the approval <laughs> ratings are down, I need to turn things around. Um, do I really think that bringing John Podesta in from the Center for American Progress to give me some counseling on domestic policy is going to turn my administration around? Probably not. Like, like, like he's, he's some magic uh, wizard. He's going to come in and give me a couple of kits in the next... No. Why, what could John Podesta possibly do that could really turn around the Obama administration from being a major, how would you say, uh, uh, failure? As, as a president overall, with some successes, as opposed to a legacy president. Well, there's one thing. Uh, with disclosure. If I, I needed to, if I, if, I, if I needed somebody to advise me on mm -hmm. disclosure, not yeah. how to do it, and also needed somebody to negotiate with the military intelligence community, uh, where a deal has to be struck for Obama to take action, right. he's the number one guy. He's the guy you go to. He would be it. And so... I'm just throwing that out as a possibility. Now, I, I have no idea if that's true or not, but I know one thing. You know, I'm sure it's not going to be talking about it. I'm going to be bringing it up extensively. And, and, and did they really think that they were going to bring Podesta into the White House and that wasn't going to be out there? So apparently they weren't particularly concerned about having UFOs and John Podesta in the same sentence for the next right. year. So I'm just, I'm just telling folks to pay attention. Uh, I, I said before, we're close to the end on this. Yes, we're, we're getting yep. things in a position where I think there's only one way to go, and that's disclosure. The, the, the Congress is in a, a, a position where they got nowhere to go but up, and hearings on this would bring them an enormous amount of attention. The president has nowhere to go but up, and being the disclosure president would be a massive game changer and changer legacy maker. All of this is coming together pretty nicely, so that's just something to think about. Uh, I'm looking for all these little signs. All these little indicators that something is going on, because I can assure you, they're not going to tell you. They're not going to tell you why Podesta's really been brought in. They're not going to tell you why, you know, Obama decides to mention Area, Area 51 at a, at a major event that Kennedy Center honors is going to be broadcast to millions of people on December the 29th, or why the Congress decides 
just before PRG is about to arrive in town, they're going to hold a little, you know, small hearing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, they're not going to tell you, but if you look, but to read between the lines, you may see that something's going on. You know, uh, Stephen, recently, and, yeah. and I think yeah. it was actually in the last couple of days, uh, Obama's been over, uh, as everybody knows, uh, Nelson Mandela also passed away, and he's over, been over in South Africa for the last few days. And it's mm-hmm. it's been all over the news. Uh, he actually shook hands with uh, Raul Castro, one of the Castro brothers from Cuba. Uh, you can throw that also in there, because for years, we wouldn't even interact wherever they were. We would just walk away and not shake hands with them. It's almost like they're trying to, you know, find common ground across the board on this planet to kind of talk about well, a larger yeah, subject. Yeah. Uh, he's, you know, look, I know that he's searching for some legacy. I mean, when you watch his speech the other day um, that he gave, uh, or not speech, rather, the interview right. that he gave um, uh, to Chris Matthews, um, he's, he's, he's now in his, he's now in a real lame duck situation. He's, oh, he's yeah. in the final yeah. years. Um, uh, he's not going to run again. Mm-hmm. And I think he's at the point where he just doesn't care so much about pl- do it, dancing to the house of representatives tune that, that, you know, all the game playing that's going on, that's really not going anywhere. I think he's trying to separate from that and do some strong things, um, make some strong statements in order to possibly have a legacy. And well, you're going to see a, a number of things like that. His approval is at an all-time low, so, I mean, this would be the perfect time for him to do something that would really shake his presidency up, and, and at least he could have the last couple of years and have something positive out of it. Uh, Stephen, uh, it's such a, you know, it's a real shame that uh, Lloyd Pye did pass away, and he's not going to get to see what might come in the next couple of years. Is Lloyd at all involved in, in the, uh, the the movie, the, the Truth Embargo movie? No, was he going to be no, involved? In not, in, not, not in the movie. No, uh, it's not that the movie was not. It, 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 it focuses elsewhere. Focuses elsewhere. Uh, so no, he was. Not, but he's been in some docs. Uh, <laughs> you know, there are a number of people that didn't make it. You know, I mean, there's a number right. of people that are leaving uh, before the final act of this play plays mm-hmm. out, and there may be a few more that will depart before we get this resolved. But that's the way it is. Um, the government hang on, hang on to this thing for 67 years. Uh, there are probably some people in government like to hang on to it for 67 more, but that's not the way it's going to happen. Uh, our goal is to get these hearings um, right now. That is the goal because the hearings means that the end of the truth embargo. So one automatically develops the other. So the focus is on getting the hearings, and you're going to see a lot happening there. You're going to see a lot of press, um, and we'll see what. what where it goes, but My friend, I, I'm getting a very good vibe. Yes, the fu- the future is going to be, I think, uh, just a, an incredible ride for all of us, and I, I really do hope that we get to see disclosure in, in our lifetime. I really do, Stephen. Thank you so much for for joining us tonight, and then uh, again, uh, you know, giving uh, a final memory uh, to the audience of uh, of your encounters with uh, Lloyd Pye, and and uh, giving us an update just, on what you're working on. You know, send those those who have his contact uh, email and so forth or his Facebook. Leave a note of appreciation. His mm, sister yes. and other members of his family, his mother, I know that they will will like that and it will be nice for them to hear that. Uh, he was one of the good guys, without question. Yeah, he was. He was dedicated. He worked hard. He was a good guy. He didn't criticize others. Um, 
if all of us could be like Lloyd, let me tell you, this work would be much uh, more satisfying and maybe a little bit more productive. So we, uh, we mourn his loss, but ultimately we will vindicate his work and the work of a lot of other people when the government finally does what it inevitably has to do, and that's acknowledge the ET presence once and for all. Agreed. Thank you so much again, uh, Stephen. And guys, we're going to go on commercial break. Uh, but before we go to break, I have uh, I set up an audio here that I want to play. It's of uh, Lloyd's lecture. So anybody who is not too familiar with him can kind of get a little insight on who Lloyd Pye was uh, through some of uh, some highlights of his lectures. And uh, when we come back, we're going to have our second-hour guest, Mr. Frank Statler, who's going to join us here on Skywatchers Radio. Uh, Stephen, my friend, thank you so much again, and have yourself a great night. And again, happy belated birthday, sir. I know it's uh, a sad time for, all, for us all in ufology, but uh, happy birthday once again. And guys, we'll be right back. Right here on the Dark Matter Radio Network and PSN Radio. I've been doing this for the better part of 30 years. I'm probably the only person anywhere saying these things. It is the truth, and it will come out. And whether I see it or not, you will remember that you were here tonight and heard me put it out together in this package for the first time. This is supposed to be a fairly smooth transition over time, one to another to another. When in fact, these are transformations, folks. They're huge transformations. And these guys don't change a heck of a lot in those two million years. And then until these guys appear, and then these, these go carry on for a couple million years, not changing a whole heck of a lot. And then suddenly these appear radically different in every case. They're not transitions, they are transformations. Even at 12, his bones are thicker and more robust than any bone in Arnold Schwarzenegger's body. There's nothing about it that's human except that it walked upright, so we have to call it human. At three and a half million years ago, the Australopithecines are walking better biomechanically than we do today. That was not a good move by Mother Nature. Pre-human versus human skeleton. Okay, something happened in here. They are not pre-human. They are post-Miocene age. Part of the game of science is predicting and then seeing if it comes true. I may not be 100% right, but I'm a heck of a lot closer to the ultimate truth than anybody out there on the other side right now. We don't have an ideology that can compete with them. We have a belief, and that's it. How could all these hominoids be out there around the world? We fundamentally do not inhabit half of the arable land out there. We think we're great in their environment. We suck in their environment. We're up against the team, and we're a dysfunctional family. That team is the establishment of science. They don't take prisoners. The guys that are finding the pre-humans get the money. Follow the money. They do little tricks like bumping her shoulder up too high here because they got the whole bone here, bumping this one up equal to it, and then bumping this one up a little from this because they want that fingertip to be up around where ours goes instead of down about here where it actually belongs. What are humans? What are we? 
how do you account for us? Humans are not, not primates. Our bones are much thinner and lighter. Our muscles are five to ten times weaker, pound for pound. They all have 48 chromosomes, and we have 46. This is not evolution. Something happened genetically. We think this worldview can supplant your worldview. Evidence is jumping out all over the place right now. I don't think that's the answer, but they, the other side, all buy that. Charles Darwin himself said, when you come down to it, humans are more like domesticated animals than anything else. Keep the whole chromosome package there, but turn two into one. Why? Somebody came here and designed this. What do the California gold rush of the 1850s, secret societies, coded messages, mysterious 19th century flying machines, and an early 20th century outside artist named Charles A.A. A. Delshaw all have in common? The Secrets of Delshaw by Dennis Crenshaw and Pete Navarro. Go to www.secretsofdelshaw.com to learn more. Do your kids share a bedroom with a sibling? Is dorm room privacy a problem? Introducing Privacy Pop, a new way to create a private and comforting space on your bed. Privacy Pop is a bed tent that fits over twin, twin extra long, full, and queen beds. Privacy Pop is your ticket to seclusion in crowded sleeping quarters. Privacy Pop is the perfect holiday gift for the youngster who likes building forts and cramped college dorm rooms. Log on to privacypop.com and see how this unique sleeping system easily pops out from a small carrying case. Easy to store and simple to set up. Privacypop.com. That's privacypop.com. The perfect holiday gift for your grandchildren or your own kids who want a fun bed fort. Choose their favorite color. See this unique sleeping system now. Act now for a limited time offer. Use promo code RADIO in the checkout cart for free shipping. Log on to privacypop.com. Use promo code RADIO for free shipping. Discount Comic Book Service, where you can save 40 to 75% off on new comics, collected editions, graphic novels, action figures, statues, and other one-of-a-kind items from DC, Marvel, Image, Dark Horse, Boom Studios, Top Cow, Dynamite, and many, many more. Go to www.dcbservice.com for easy ordering and fast delivery. Or you can visit our brick-and-mortar location at 10202-C Coldwater Road in Fort Wayne, Indiana. DCBS, welcome home. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's SupermanHomePage.com, the number one Superman fan site in the world. SupermanHomePage.com, covering the world of Superman from the 1930s to today. News, reviews, rumors, and reports. SupermanHomePage.com, for all your Superman comics, TV shows, movies, cartoons, radio shows, and more. Everything you ever wanted to know about the man. Man of Steel and more. SupermanHomePage.com. Imagine no longer being tied down to your computer, but having the freedom to take live talk radio with you anywhere you go. TalkStream Live introduces our first ever iPhone application. The talk shows you follow now follow you. 
And your iPhone is now the fastest and easiest way to stay connected to the best talk radio on the Internet. Listen to live talk shows 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Mobile talk radio from TalkStream Live. Now available in the iTunes App Store. You're listening to Sky Watchers Radio right here on the Dark Matter Radio Network and PSN Radio. Joining us now for the second hour is our guest, Mr. Frank Statler who first became interested in space during the, during the Gemini and the Apollo missions. Uh, and he's been interested ever since. And uh, he is a, a researcher and uh, somebody who is uh, in love with the subject of ufology and wants to get to that final answer, just like the rest of us. And uh, Frank, uh, welcome to the show, my friend. You're live on Skywatchers Radio with myself, Angel, and Alan. Uh, thanks for having me, Angel and Alan. Hey, not a worry. Uh, I'm going to make sure I'm not going to be pissing all over the topics today, and I'm going to make sure that... Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just what is this now? No, no, no. I, I'm just pointing out someone's comment in the chat room, and I'm going to make sure that I'm going to retract anything that didn't come off good and make sure that we're all along for the same ride. I listened to the first hour. You sounded just fine. Yeah, no, you're, you're doing fine. Don't Don't listen to Scorpio Moon. Scorpio maroon, Moon that's maroon. Scorpio Well yeah, but his real is really Scorpio Moon. I don't know why he put Maroon. But anyway, don't listen to Scorpio. He, you know, don't listen to him in the chat room. Anyway, we're back on the show, Skywatchers Radio, uh before we got derailed there by Alan. Uh Frank, welcome <laughs> to the show, my friend. Give us a little bit of insight on who you are, your background. And you know, we were talking about Lloyd Pye and his involvement in ufology earlier. We had Steve Bassett on in the first hour and he gave us his insight in ufology and of course on the disclosure movement that's going on and, and on Lloyd Pye and everything that just happened with his passing. But you yourself, you're a researcher. You've been uh, interested in the subject for many years. Uh, tell the audience who might not know you a little bit about who you are and, and uh, bring us up to speed with who Frank uh, Stetler is. I have a tendency to look at the older cases. Uh, I don't go quite as far back as Lloyd did uh, with the cases. Yeah, I don't go back to the Egyptians and uh, uh, billions of years ago uh, when uh, you know, uh, the caveman may or may not have had DNA manipulated. I don't go quite that far back. But uh, I go back to uh, the, uh, the, when the modern UFO era began, uh, back in the uh, post-war era and the, uh, the Roswell, uh, the Ken Arnold uh, years and uh Anything along uh, anything in those years, I'll, uh, I'll certainly take a look at, and uh, I've been able to turn up a couple of pretty interesting things along the way. Hey Frank, got a question? Would you say the modern era really started with Roswell, or would it have gone back to the Foo Fighters during World War II? Mm, you, you could argue that. I would start. Uh, the reason I, I like uh, starting with uh, the Roswell and uh, the Kenneth Arnold is. Uh, there's just uh, a lot of material We're talking a little bit about uh, John Podesta and openness and all that with Stephen Bassett. And uh, one one thing that was really an, an enormous help to me. Uh, Frank, our, and this is this is the beauty of live radio. You're cutting in and out really bad on your internet. I know you're uh, somewhere deep in the mountains. Okay, the internet it's not that great, but uh, there's something going on. It's kind of funky, and I know the listeners are like, we want to hear what he's saying, but. Okay. It, sa- it sounds like the, the New World Order is taking over, and we're all becoming cyborgs now. All right, so how do we fix this? <laughs> uh, that's a good question. You're, the, you're on the other end there. You're on Skype. Uh, close all your browsers to see if that might. Okay, let's see if that helps any. Yeah, you might his, be uh, eating up some memory. I don't know what you're downloading. Uh, you sounded fine when we were doing uh, testing earlier. Uh, I know, when we, did the, when we did the sound check. How is this now? Uh, uh, no well. other browsers open except for the Skype browser. Okay, well, let's uh, try to go with it. Uh, so continue. Let's uh, see how it sounds. Uh, 
where did you leave off with Alan's question there? Because I can uh, understand no, I was, what you're saying. I was, I was talking about uh, the uh, the openness that uh, the Bass was talking about a little bit as far as uh, Podesta was concerned. And, Hold uh, on. Let, I, let's, see, let's see if this connecting from Frank and connecting. This is awful radio, by the way, everybody. This is uh, pretty bad. But let's see if we can get him back in the line and have it sound better. This is live radio, people. Huh? Live radio. Okay. Frank, Frank, are I you guess- there? I think the government is interrupting with his transmission to make. I think you know what sure, it is. They found out make this sure is that on... they don't want to know the. Tr- you know, we can't know the truth. We can't handle the truth. So no. the government's goofing up his uh, his little Skype there. I think so too. Well, Frank, are you there? I'm here. Can you can can you hear me now? I can hear you fine. Yeah, but man, you're sounding it, it, like you know. Mr. It sounds Roboto. like he's auto tuning. Frank, can you sing for us a little bit? Can you auto tune auto tune a song for us here? Just give us a Christmas jingle, just a little Christmas jingle. Better now. I'm gonna do a lot of heavy editing later. We'll probably have like 20 minutes of interview with Frank if we're lucky. Uh, you know, I don't know what's going on. Do this. Reboot your computer. We'll get back to you in a minute. Reboot your computer and come back to us in about uh, five minutes or however long it takes you. Uh, you're just, I think, eating too much bandwidth, and uh, I don't know what the heck happened to you. Uh, you sounded fine when we doing when we were doing audio checks earlier. So. Yeah. I don't know what the problem is. Okay, let me try that real quick. We, we do that. Uh, this is the beautiful world of Skype and the beautiful world of... Uh, of well, live everything. Live radio. Exactly, but guys, we are on the Dark Matter Radio Network, and uh, if anybody wants to call in, if you want to talk about Lloyd Pye, or if you want to talk about your sightings, uh, your encounters, uh, please do so. Call on Or in. if you want to make fun of me, you know. If you want to make fun of him for pissing all over uh, the topics earlier, you could do that also. Uh, 786-245-8127 is the call-in number, and also if you could find us on Skype, that'd be great, at PSN Radio, and uh, call on in. Open lines uh, for the rest of the night. I don't know how long we're going to be able to... Uh, have Frank on, but uh, he's a really interesting guy, and I was talking to him earlier about his interest in UFOs and ufology and stuff, and, and man, he sounded so much clearer. I don't know what happened with the whole attitudes thing there, but apologize to the audience for that, but uh, really interesting dude, and uh, you know, one of the things that got me interested in, in ufology was my own personal sightings, just like you had your own personal sightings, Alan. Yeah, um, I, I had... know, it, it shocked me, and you know, and who knows what I'll see next with all the driving and traveling that I do. By the way, that's going to be really cool because once in a while we are going to have Alan on the road driving from one road trip to another, and he will probably do the show live as he's driving. So if you hear any any cursing, it'll probably be the truck drivers <laughs> that he's cutting off in, in traffic. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I'll tell you this. Uh, what The best show, the best driving show I'll be doing coming up is kind of probably be um, the the day after New Year's as I drive from Florida to Texas in the middle of the night so I could see the beautiful spiral of the Milky Way with no ambient light bleeding it out for me. And I am so, so excited. And by the way, if anybody wants to spell my name properly, it's A-L-A-N, although I do like the Y in there. That's not bad, yeah. You, you might want to have yeah. it legally changed, though. Yeah, yeah. I, that's actually pretty cool. Alan Waller. Alan, Alan, Wyler. I, I I will talk with the very bad accent. No, 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 no accents on the show here. No okay. accents on the show. We can't let him loose, people. If we do, then uh, we'll never hear the end of it. We'll have all kind of uh, problems legally for can, discrimination can I, and all kinds of things. <laughs> can no I at accents. least do for our show, Marvin the Martian? Mm, well, he's you know he's an illegal alien. He's an extraterrestrial. Doesn't really count as any race per se here on Earth, so nobody really would be offended. Sure, why not? It was but a little it's the, the Illudium 238 modulator that we that, will use. That is 
possibly the worst Marvin the Martian I've ever heard. Okay, fine. I'm I'm trying. Like I said, if you guys want to call in and make fun of me tonight, that's by all means. Please do. I want to hear some people say at least hello and how much they like us being on the new radio station here. In fact, hold on. Frank is calling us back to see how eventful this is. Frank, you're back here. How do I sound? All right. You sound better and uh, no no auto-tuning. That's awesome. No auto-tuning. Okay. All right. Okay. Okay. Good. All right. We're good to go. Well, there's slight auto tuning. Where was again. it? Who am I? Well, let's uh, let's get back to the conversation here. Talk about your your uh, I don't know your interest in ufology, and uh, yeah, we'll see we if there's auto tuning. We uh, before we were really interrupted by technical difficulties. I was uh, talking about uh, one of the great resources that I uh, right. found as far as the UFO research, and it was a Truman website. Now, just a, a ton of material written about him. And, uh, you know, the, the material is in there if you want to dig uh, deep enough. Uh, uh, one of the uh, first finds that I came up with was uh, a, a, a meeting uh, regarding the 1952 uh, UFO flyover over Washington, D.C. Frank, which, Frank, 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 I, I wish we could understand you, but really it's just uh, really bad. Yeah. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna let's cut off for the night, and what we're gonna end up doing, man, we're gonna have to probably pre-record something when you have good audio, uh, okay. because it sounds really, really uh, choppy. I mean, we can't okay. understand what's going on. No problem. Thanks. All right, buddy. Uh, sorry about that, everybody. Frank Statler. Uh, we'll have uh, some kind of audio with him in the near future, hopefully, and we'll replay uh, his interesting ufology. Man, that's terrible. See, that's that's what live radio is all about, though, Alan. That's what happens sometimes with uh, guests uh, who sound great one minute, but then not so great the next. Unfortunately, Are you talking about me again? No, huh? you sound Are you, you sound fine. Again? Just don't just don't mess with my topics. But you sound fine. No, uh, but but you know it, it's horrible because uh, Frank doesn't even have like a, a regular landline or cell phone that we can call. So unfortunately, he only has the internet, and Skype is his uh, outlet and source to the world. Uh, yeah, but he, how many other people out there don't have a landline? I don't have one anymore. But at least we have cell phones. True. You so know, I, mean, I don't have know, a, I don't have a landline, but I have two cell phones. Wait a minute! You're telling me he doesn't have a cell phone at all? No cell phone. That's it's crazy to me. No cell phone. Where is where is he in the middle of the mountains? Is he at his bug out location waiting for the aliens to arrive and blow up the big cities? I mean, what? I don't know. Good guy though. He really is a good guy. Good guy. Uh, but, yeah, absolutely. But yeah, if they had cell phones, they could trace him. They could find him, and then we'd never hear from him and interview him. So I could see that being a little bit of a problem. Yeah, and uh, Scorpio in the chat room, and of course we're trying not to read the chat room because that's not good for radio either, but Scorpio says, yeah, he did sound completely awful. Yeah, he did. I mean, I'm sorry, uh, Frank. Uh, like I said, good guy, but uh, yeah, we couldn't, uh, keep, we couldn't keep that on air, man. That's just terrible. Uh, but if anybody wants to join us and, and uh, talk about uh, ufology a little bit, please do so again. Number one more time, 786-245-8127, or you can Skype us at PSN Radio. Uh, Alan, you yeah. know, we're going to hit a break here in about five minutes, thank God, because <laughs> this segment's been a disaster. Holy moly. But hopefully we have some callers. Uh, we have open lines the rest of the way, and uh, hopefully somebody will call in and uh, give us something to talk about because we really were expecting to have Frank on as the guest, and man, it, it's a shame because he sounded fantastic early on. But you know what? <laughs> Heavy... Steve Bassett on the first hour really is always cool. And, uh, you know, I, I did want to dedicate this entire episode uh, to Lloyd Pye and, uh, and his passing. And I'm going to dedicate the entire first hour to him because this second hour has been a disaster and he doesn't deserve that. Okay, so, so what should we do? First as, hour. What should we do as an abbreviated version of a filler to make sure that we're good for the whole time that we need to be on the air then? What topics, do, 
let's a let's, good let's, question. <laughs> let's let some of the people in the chat room throw out a topic uh, that we want to hear. That's a good question. If anybody in the chat room wants to do that, they could chat us and uh, we'll read it on air. Uh, actually, there is some news that I do want to uh, address here, and uh, this is uh, radio-related, believe it or not. Our good friend okay. Dennis Crenshaw is returning to radio. Dennis really? Crenshaw, he retired three years ago, or actually two years ago, two and a half years ago, and uh, he's returning to radio to uh, do the show Unraveling the Secrets. And how is this UFO-related? Well, Dennis Crenshaw is the Hollow Earth Insider, the original Hollow Earth Insider, and uh, he's going to be returning with uh, probably maybe a new co-host, maybe uh, by himself. We'll see what exactly comes mm. of it, uh, but he will be back in January, and uh, we look forward to having him back on air, man. Dennis Crenshaw is a really good guy, so it's going to be a, a lot of fun having him back on air. Now, you know about the Hollow Earth Insider, right? You're familiar yeah. with, with the topic I'm at all? Yeah, we actually discussed this earlier in the week, I believe. Uh, I don't remember if we were actually broadcasting or just a conversation between you and I. I think it was just a conversation between the two of us. Oh, okay. Yeah, we, we, yeah. yeah uh, I think there's, I don't know if the earth is hollow per se, but I'm sure there's enough caverns that are big enough to support life to say the least. Because, you know, we've actually found, um, I guess, stuff that was cryptozoology. Zoology. Zoology. Yeah, well, one. yeah, that's a tough one too. You know, I, you know, they found un- unidentifiable or stuff that's fallen off the uh, fallen off the genetics tree, and you know, in core, you know, not just in fossils, but still alive in some of the drilling and some of the cave exploration and spelunking that have been done. Wow, there's a long pause there. You better say something. Well, actually, I'm being uh, <laughs> chatted here. Somebody wants to join us in a call in a second here. Uh, okay. No, yeah, no, you, crypto, you know, it's funny that you bring up cryptozoology because I'm, of course, not a believer on uh, a lot of uh, cryptozoology. Uh, but I've been, you know, doing a little uh, of my own research recently, and I'm starting to think that there might be some truth to certain parts of it. I still don't, I'm not still big on Bigfoot or Sasquatch or any of that oh, no, stuff. Oh, no, 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 I'm not going in but, that I'm not going yeah. into the mythological cryptozoological stuff. I'm talking about, you know, every single year there are different spe- – there's over 3,000-plus species that are re- either re-identified as still being living as opposed to being extinct as well as new variations on what's out there. So, That's you know, true. There- yeah. And don't forget, we've, you know, most diving and submersible, submersible vehicles, even the ones that James Cameron has, only goes so far. And, you know, the ocean is pretty, pretty, pretty deep. And as you know, recently on the news, we just found out that there's actual lake, you know, freshwater below the salt oceans that have just come to light. God only knows what might be living there as well, too. Now, here's a theory, and uh, the Hollow Earth Insider uh, talks about this a lot on the website. Uh, one of the main theories that Dennis and a lot of people have is that a lot of the UFOs are coming from within the Earth itself, uh, that these are crafts that are being operated from beings that have been on this planet, probably uh, pre-Homo sapien, uh, probably are somehow genetically linked to us, but are different enough that we would conceive or perceive them as aliens, uh, maybe even the greys. You know, what, What's your take on that? Um, I think that, um, that in all honesty, that they, you know, that if you look at all the biblical references in Old Testament and almost every single prehistory text 
from the Bhagavad Gita to whatever else is out there, they have all spoken about giants that live in the earth as opposed to using the word on the earth. Right. So taking that into account, were they saying giants as in feats of greatness or giants as in their actual height? Um, you know, I just don't know. It's, it, you know, I think there is a possibility that there is definitely life within the planet as opposed to on the surface. Um, are they as advanced as we are? Uh, who knows? Um, uh, are there USOs? Definitely. There's been all sorts of stuff that's been tracked by both e- just about every single naval organization in the world has tracked USOs that are beyond the capacity of what is conventional technology. Um, I think that uh, it's – I don't think the greys are – I don't know. Maybe the greys are the future us and the Anunnaki are the older us and we're just stuck in the middle. Who knows? Now, let me ask you because you know, we've had several conversations in the past about the Anunnaki. How, you know, how much of a believer are you in Billy and the Anunnaki theory and what Zachariah Sitchin uh, was working on before his passing? You know, we've lost a lot of people in ufology in the last decade, uh, but he was a huge name in the world of ufology. Oh, with absolutely he was. Everything um, that he wrote. I look at it this way. It's a little philosophical. That I'm going to wax a little f- philosophical here. Um, what is one man's science is yet another man's religion is yet another man's myth, and it's all a vicious circle. Or actually, since it's three things, all a triangle, and they just keep on looping around each other. That's a pretty good way of putting it. I think. Well, I think there is so <laughs> much. I think there's so much prehistory and pre five thousand years ago knowledge that we don't have or have access to that would explain a lot of what we're having to deal with now. That's, you know what, that is extremely true. And uh, it's almost like we're repeating the history of the planet. It, it, you know, we, it, we're not really learning from, and, and I think, it, you know, part of the, the whole disclosure movement is trying to learn our history on this planet. And uh, I think part of uh, what's going to come to light is who we really are on the planet and our true nature. Why are we here? All that stuff. Or, you know, who put us here? But it, the history of mankind is very, very old. Much older than we're being told, which is sad, isn't it? I mean, there's yeah, so much quite. more history to us. Oh, no, absolutely. The one thing that really freaked me out, I don't know if you saw this article in the news or not. There's this woman who's a geneticist that says that the human race came about because a chimp mated with a pig. And it, we're the genetic mutation of that. Have you I seen that? I read, read that? that. Yeah, I read that, and after I laughed hysterically for about ten minutes, uh, I said, "You know, I know a couple people that are kind of." Uh, <laughs> I, can, well, yeah, I can see the whole pig connection to these to these folks. Why not? That ex- you know that explains they explains why a few people on this yeah, planet. That's why I'm saying you know you want to keep kosher that way you're not being a cannibal. Exactly. See, see, that's that, all that that's about. Too. That explains it. It's so simple. It's all about cannibalism, man. Okay, okay, here it is. Life Change T's commitment to excellence. Once again, Ronnie McMullen here, challenging you to a better lifestyle and health. On my radio show, I challenge people to think and act on good mental health, and this, in turn, promotes great physical health. Life Change T is a head start product to help aid your health and bring you your best life. And Life Change T doesn't taste like tea. 
It tastes great. So now, here's your holiday bonus. Buy now a one-month supply, and we'll give you two weeks for free. It's our holiday giveaway, and it's the best sale of the year. Lose weight and feel great this holiday season. So order now. Call 928-308-0408. Again, 928-308-0408. Or you can log on to GetTheTea.com. That's GetTheTea.com. Remember, we love our customers, and our customers love our tea. GetTheTea.com. Do your kids share a bedroom with a sibling? Is dorm room privacy a problem? Introducing Privacy Pop, a new way to create a private and comforting space on your bed. Privacy Pop is a bed tent that fits over twin, twin extra long, full, and queen beds. Privacy Pop is your ticket to seclusion in crowded sleeping quarters. Privacy Pop is the perfect holiday gift for the youngster who likes building forts and cramped college dorm rooms. Log on to privacypop.com and see how this unique sleeping system easily pops out from a small carrying case. Easy to store and simple to set up. Privacypop.com. That's privacypop.com. The perfect holiday gift for your grandchildren or your own kids who want a fun bed fort. Choose their favorite color. See this unique sleeping system now. Act now for a limited time offer. Use promo code RADIO in the checkout cart for free shipping. Log on to privacypop.com. Use promo code RADIO for free shipping. Put a team of professional consultants behind your home or business computer with Key Information Solutions. Providing solutions to your internet and computing needs while keeping you on the cutting edge of technology. Preventative maintenance and networking support. Hardware and custom built computers. Let Key Information Solutions be your personal tech staff for your home or office with affordable hourly, monthly, or annual rates to fit anyone's budget. Call Key Information Solutions now. 954-973-3374. That's 954-973-3374. Or visit keyinformation.com. Here's a riddle for you. What do the California Gold Rush of the 1850s, secret societies, coded messages, mysterious 19th century flying machines, and an early 20th century outside artist named Charles A.A. A. Delshaw all have in common? The Secrets of Delshaw by Dennis Crenshaw and Pete Navarro. Go to www.secretsofdelshaw.com to learn more. Roswell, UFOs, flying saucers, alien abduction, are we alone? Information regarding this and many other questions about the unknown are only a click away at www.theufostore.com. Theufostore.com offers hundreds of DVDs about UFOs, aliens, crop circles, conspiracies, Bigfoot, suppressed science, ancient mysteries. Log on to www.theufostore.com and request a free UFO store catalog. Theufostore.com, the largest selection of UFO products on the internet. Welcome back to Skywatchers Radio, right here on the Dark Manor Radio Network and PSN Radio. And we are live back on Dark Matter Radio Network and, of course, PSN Radio on Skywatchers Radio, the last segment of the night, last 30 minutes of the show. And I uh, want to just mention uh, real quick, uh, we're going to have on, on the 24th of December on this show, uh, a good friend of mine and a, a 
this is one of the best researchers in paranormal and ufology. Uh, Mr. Paul Dale Roberts is going to join us here on the show. And uh, he's out of Fresno, California. He has an associate's degree in criminology. He's written several books. Uh, he's, he's been researching ufology and the paranormal for the last 30 years at least. Uh, an incredible, incredible researcher and uh, just a very, very uh, good friend of myself and the show. And uh, I really look forward to having him back on. He hasn't been on the show in about a year, but he's been on my other show and other shows that I've been on and produced and stuff over the years. And a uh, real gentleman in the world of uh, the paranormal and, again, ufology, which is what we discuss here on Skywatchers Radio, where we're going to discuss here every Tuesday at 11 p.m. Eastern. Right, Get the sniffles on, buddy. Get the sniffles out, all right. Right here on the Dark Matter <laughs> Radio Network and, of course, like I said, PSN Radio. Uh, open lines again for the last uh, 30 minutes. If you guys want to call in, 786-245-8127. PSN Radio on Skype. You can follow us there. Follow us on Facebook, which is facebook.com forward slash Skywatchers Radio. You could get us on Twitter at Skywatchers TV. Now, you know, I got a question uh, from the audience here on my Facebook about why do what does it say Skywatchers TV? Well, th- that's actually a good uh, there's a good answer to that. We used to do a internet TV version of the show, and there is some stuff on YouTube as well. You could just type in Skywatchers Radio TV or Skywatchers TV, and you'll see some stuff on there from the past. Uh, like I said, this show has a, a really rich history. Uh, you know, it has a good archive of past episodes with a lot of really great hosts and, and great people to interview. We've had on you know everybody from uh, Stanton Freeman's been on the show with us. Uh, you know, Lord Pye was on the show with us. Uh, we've had uh, Laura, uh, Laura Magdalene Eisenhower, Andrew Bissagio has been on. Uh, you know, just a lot of big names. And a lot of big names are going to be back on the show within the next uh, coming months. So please come back to us every Tuesday night. And I promise you, uh, not everybody's going to have the audio issues that Frank had tonight. So it'll be better. I promise. Well, I don't have any audio issues. Uh, no, we're good, although, man. I'm, I'm all over the place good. on topics today, though. Um, so, sorry, by the way, we ended before the break with cannibalism. Uh, you know, I, I, I didn't mean to do that, or, or kind of, sort of, maybe I did. I don't know. Uh, I'm all over the place on topics. And one topic that just really just came to mind, with all the UFO sightings that are out there, why do they have flashing lights like airplanes do? I mean, I'm thinking about it now, and if they're traveling in interstellar space, do they really need to have flashing lights? Are they on some super space highway and trying to make sure they don't bump into each other or something? I just can't figure out why do they always have flashing lights. Anybody else want to chime in on that? Please do me a favor. Call in. You know, you guys got the number, 786-245-8127. I want to hear someone give me a good reason why they actually always have flashing lights. You know, it might be uh, just because they're, a lot of them are actually airplanes and people are misidentifying. Shh, you're ruining it for everybody. Shh. I'm just saying. No, you know, but you would figure if an alien race can travel the light, you know, light years to get here from another galaxy or another planet somewhere, uh, they would kind of bypass having flashing lights on their ships. Don't you, you, know, you think? Well, I don't know. Might not are, need are them they, at that point. You know, I, I, I'm trying to think. Uh, fla- the flashing lights are only good when you're traveling below the speed of light. If you're traveling past the speed right. of light, you don't see the lights, do you? That's a good question. I mean, when you, in, in the movies you do, you see the streak of light. Well, that's Star Trek. Well, I mean, here's and a good Star sci- Wars, all the star, all the big sci-fi movies do that. Here's the best scientific question: If you're in a spaceship and you're traveling at the speed of light, and you turn your headlights on, do they do anything? 
That uh, actually didn't Einstein have uh, something to say about that? I don't know. It's all relative. I th- I think it did. Yeah, I think it did. And I think it is all relative. Okay. It's a good joke. By the way, relativity. By, by the way, that's the best joke you're going to hear from uh, Alan all night. That's probably the funniest he's going to be. Right, Alan? Uh, do you want me to? I got no, you. no, no. Never mind. Don't go down okay. that road. That's a nasty one. road. We don't want to head down that road. I got tonight. one more good joke. One more good scientific joke for all the scientific junkies out there. Speaking of which, you know, there's a lot of science behind uh, the world of ufology. Uh, a lot of stuff that it's, uh, you know, that we've been talking about. A lot of uh, the alien phenomenon, I think, has led to a lot of the scientific advancements that we've had. Uh, especially, like, I'm a big believer in the Roswell crash. I don't, you know, I don't know how you stand on the whole Roswell thing, but I do think that Roswell happened. I think we got a lot of our technologies from there. Are you amazed by some of the stuff that's coming out now, technologically, how advanced we've gotten with computers and and everything? I mean, do you share in that agreement with me, or am I alone on this one? I believe that the science out there, we haven't even touched. We in the public do not even see 10% of what's really available to all sorts of governments around the world um, that God only knows where they got it from, whether it's ancient and it's been sitting here forever or it's something that recovered that crashed. I think there's a lot more technology than we know about. The one thing I I really like is, I don't know if you've ever heard of the term oop art. Oop art, no. It stands for out-of-place artifacts. Ah, All sorts of different things that are technological that have been carbon dated to very, very way back prehistory that we just really, really can't explain why it's it's there and how it got there in the first place. Um, Everything from the Antioch clock to uh, what was the latest one that someone was telling me about? A spark plug uh, found that was... Buried in some coal from carbon dating, showing it to be like a good couple of thousand years old. Wow, never seen that. Yeah, it's it's a little bit interesting to say the least. Um, yeah, good stuff. You have to send me some links on that later so I can check it out. Absolutely, that way it's a topic of conversation somewhere down the line. Right, because I'd like to know what I'm talking about before I start talking about it. Because okay. yeah, why talk about it? You know what I mean. Uh, but I, the reason <laughs> I was I was going back to uh, to Roswell real quick is because on the 17th of December, which is our next show coming up, right, right, you know, right around the corner, uh, we're going to have the great, or yeah, actually, the, the grandson of uh, Jesse Marcel and oh. the son of Jesse Marcel Jr., who recently passed away, also not long ago. Uh, we're going to have Jesse Marcel III on the show, and he's going to join us uh, for a full-hour interview. Um, I've been dying to talk to him, you know, especially since his father passed away. And uh, another legend in ufology, Jesse Marcel Jr. I mean, Jesus, uh, what, a, what an amazing American this was. Uh, this man went to war. Uh, this man has uh, been enlisted in the Army twice. Uh, he, in fact, he served on, on the uh, Gulf War. And, um, you know, he was a real true American hero. And, of course... He is best known for being the son of Jesse Marshall Sr., who was at the re- at the crash recovery in 1947. And Jesse Marshall Jr. himself held some of the pieces of Roswell. He held some of the, the debris of the uh, flying saucer that crashed at Roswell. Uh, and that's going to be an incredible interview. I've like my entire life, I've wanted to talk to Jesse Marcel Jr., and I've never gotten that chance. And unfortunately, he passed away. And uh, I've be, you know been friendly with uh, his son Jesse Marcel III on Facebook, and we've talked a few times. And uh, you know, I just I, I love the idea of having him on. And and uh, the family is going to continue the message, which uh, is great to see. You know, it's not going to just uh, go away. People are not going to forget what happened with uh, Jesse Marcel Sr. and Jr. So uh, again, December seventeenth. 
Jesse Marcel III will be on the show here on Skywatcher. So bookmark that on your calendar, everybody. Please do that. I mean, that's exciting. I know you're familiar with Jesse Marcel, aren't you? Oh, yes, very much so. I actually uh, spoke with him briefly when I was actually at the 60th anniversary uh, Roswell uh, uh, parade and uh, weekend event that was down there. Now, was it the junior or was it the third that you were from? I think it was the third, if I'm right. With the younger one, right? Yeah, the younger one, yeah, as a matter of fact. Uh, Let's see, he was there, Travis Walton was there, um... Let's see. There were, you know, Stanton Friedman was there. Uh, Nick Pope was in. He flew over. Uh, it it was a really, really, really fun weekend. Very informative. Um, although I will never pay the amount of money they want me to to walk into that UFO museum <laughs> they have in Roswell ever again. Oh my God. Um, yeah. Wow. Um, that's an inflatable rubber. UFO on a stretcher, yeah, uh, a- alien on a stretcher, yeah, um, yeah, that, yeah, I'm not paying ten dollars to go see that. No, no, uh, uh-uh, pass. Especially when there's like pictures all over the internet. We just see Google. <laughs> Google is your friend. Like I don't, I don't go out I know, anywhere anymore. Google. Just like want to see something, Google, or I watch the movie Paul. They take you there. You can see. Everything. Oh God, I love that movie. That was just such a riot. I think that that's was... Seth Seth uh, Rogen's best movie. What do you think? I, I I really, really, really enjoyed that movie. I don't know if that was his best movie. Definitely not The Green Hornet. That wasn't his best no, movie. No, that's probably his worst movie. Actually, the movie This Is The End. That was really funny. I, I could not stop laughing, but the language in that movie was so overbearing, it wasn't funny. Or actually, it was funny. No, it actually was pretty funny. Yeah. I mean... But, the, yeah. Every single cameo that that movie had, it was just insanely, insanely well, well, well played. You got to admit, though, Danny McBride really steals the show on that movie. <laughs> he, he's he's more than entertaining, but we're we're just getting so off topic on this show. We're so gonna off so off topic. Well, actually, I don't know. It has to deal with the end of the world, and I don't want to spoil how the movie ends. At, with the title, this is the end. You sort of figure it out, but. Uh, you know, (laughs) you know, it's sky watching. So we're looking for doom and gloom to rain down upon us. So yeah, kind of, sort of. Well, you know, it actually is all relative because in the movie, of course, it's it's dealing with, uh, the end times is dealing with the rapture and that's really the, the basis of the movie. Uh, but the rapture comes from the heavens. That's, uh, you know, even biblically, that's where the rapture would come from. You know, it'll come from the heavens. Uh, that's which is again if you if you believe that we were seated here by beings from the heavens uh if you if that's where we ended up on this planet by if we ended up by being seated by aliens and the rapture of Israel and it does happen then that just means we're going back to our masters and our creators and uh, there's nothing we can do about it it's, at least in the movie they really show like there's nothing you can do but it is a very very funny movie it, interesting you know idea to make that into a comedy because you you know the end times the apocalypse, you really don't think that is a funny type of topic for a movie, yeah. you know, but it you works. Know, yeah, kind of, sort of, but, you know, there's all sorts of movies that have, you know, have that kind of a reference. Uh, what was the other one that I just saw? Um, oh, darn. It was, oh, oh, I just saw another uh, Rapture Palooza. That's it. It was such a funny sort of B movie, 
or actually more like a D movie based on who was in it, um, where the devil comes and, you know, the rapture happens and, you know, he's reigning on earth and, you know, it's up to this, you know, this young schoolgirl trying to fix, uh, fix up, you know, getting rid of the devil and, I I just got in 40 minutes into the movie and unfortunately I had to shut it off. I just could not bear watching it anymore. Oh, but you know what? One thing I actually, real oh, quick, uh, one thing I actually want to do on this show, and uh, before you continue, is uh, actually talk about movies that are UFO and ufology related or alien related. Uh, I think that would be a cool segment to have okay, here. And how about we can this give one? our reviews on certain alien movies? Go ahead. Okay, here's a good alien slash rapture movie. Oh. Skyline. Oh, I seen that movie. That's pretty good. Yeah, it's it's like the, you know, it's like the aliens come and take over the Earth, but everybody's right. looking up into the sky and gets zapped up into their ships. So is that the is it that is that the rapture? That's a that's a yeah, that's pretty close. Or better yet, here's another question: Same thing. Would, would the 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 quintessential Twilight Zone episode to serve man? I really don't want that to be the rapture. I'm hoping it's not. The, back hoping, to cannibalism with you. I, what is it with I, you in cannibalism? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, you, know, you have a one-track mind tonight, my friend. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, no, no. It, it's just that uh, you know, just going through some of the interesting people that I've that I've met in my life. I actually have met Richard Keel, who played who played the character in To Serve Man, and who was also. Jaws from the James Bond movies. Oh, really cool! Yeah, yeah. How did that go? How did that come? It was about? cool. It, it was cool. It was, you know, it was it was fun. It was fun times of conversation. That's very cool. Uh, now, there's an article here that I that I sent you on uh, on Skype that I, that I wanted to get to. Hang on uh, a second. Let and me... I know that you, you saw odds of alien life. Very high, and uh, the house panel heard, uh, and there's a very funny uh, alien on it. I just want to talk about the alien on it because this is, this is kind of uh, something that I've been thinking about for the last few days. Don't you find it funny that every time, and I'm sending you the article so you can check out the picture, uh, don't you find it every time there's like an article of aliens somewhere, uh, all you see is the face of the greys? Yeah, I, th- I I don't know if it's because it's something that's been ingrained in our mind as that's what the aliens must look like. Uh, uh, God only knows where it came from, but, you know, that's what we've been embedded in our reality. Uh, you know, that's what that's what we expect an alien to look like. It, it, but yeah. it's funny, though, they really have, like, focused in on that one image of what an alien looks like. And even in the, in the movie, um, Paul, they kind of, like, joke about that how the you know the government's been doing that on purpose to kind of get him used to the way he looks and and many it that movie really is funny everybody really should check out paul well, well it's i don't know what you know i always say if one percent of one percent of one percent of one percent of all the ufo sightings and all the photos that have been taken uh are true that just changes the whole game, period. It does, doesn't it? It really changes the spectrum of everything. And, uh, you know, that's, I think, the the easiest way to look at this. Because if, we look in, if we're looking at this planet, for example, all the abundance of life on this planet, all you need is 1%, which really in our 
solar system, we are that 1%, right? Because there's no other life on the solar system. So we are that 1% that has life. Let's just say that every solar system has a planet like ours. That maybe out of 100, one of them has life on it, like ours. Well, you got to look at it this way. We, you know... It might not be exactly like us because, you know, we're in what we consider the Goldilocks zone. Right. But, you know, there are other planets that might have other criteria to form life. That's interesting, too. You know, that's something that we, as scientists here on this planet, kind of ignorantly uh, really de- use as the determination for what life is. The Goldilocks zone has to have oxygen, has to have water. Well, what if, what about, like, silicone-based life or some other base for life that are, are completely foreign to the way we think life could be. Mm-hmm. In fact, there was, a, I believe it was a Star Trek episode. Um, I can't remember exactly the details. You might know this better because I know you're a bigger Trekkie than I am. Uh, but it was the one where, uh, th- no, you know what? It wasn't even Star Trek. No, I'm sorry. It was an episode of Sliders. Remember Sliders? Oh, yeah. That was a great show with Jerry Connell. Yes. Remember, it was the episode where they, they slide into one of the worlds and they find fire all over the world, nothing but a world full of fire. It's, you know, it's engulfed in flames. And right. they have to emergency slide out of there, and a little piece of flame hops into the vortex. And right. ends up on the I next world. That. And the, the, the flame is actually a conscience being. It actually has conscience. Well, con- well, a conscious... I mean, to me, life is a sentient awareness, uh, no matter what it is. And you, there's going to be... There's going to come a time when the computers are going to become self-aware. I don't think they'll take over the world, but I'm sure there's a self-aware, you know, neural network of computers out there somewhere that knows that it itself exists. That's, to me, that to me is life. When something has its own consciousness and self-awareness and obviously is capable of space travel, uh, yeah, I think that definitely qualifies. Well, we're, um, you know, available. I mean, we're aware of space travel and we're conscious beings, but there's not much of intelligence on this planet uh, so far anyway. Uh, a lot of wars and stuff going on. Do you think that that's why we haven't had official disclosure, man? I've always bring that with uh, Stephen, and he kind of chuckles at it, but I think because we're so war-hungry and we're like we're still primitive on this planet, I think that's why we, we're kind of like in this lockbox of information where disclosure is not available because of the way we are. I think we're going to end up somehow down the line bombing ourselves all the way back to the Stone Age, and then we got to restart again. And then maybe then someone's going to tell us, "Hey, guess what? <laughs> There's your I wonder thing. how many. I wonder how many times that's happened already on this planet. We've been around for four point six billion years. I'm sure that, um, you know, in the grand scope of things, humanity is just a small piece of the time on the clock there. So. Um, who knows what came before us and who knows what will come after us. Yeah, no kidding. And not only that, remember, uh, Michio Kaku has uh, also talked about this several times in his lectures, uh, that there's different types of civilizations. And chances are that most civilizations out there don't even reach to type 2 civilization because they end up blowing themselves into oblivion before they even get there. So uh, we're kind of heading in that direction ourselves. We're heading to become a type 1 civilization, which we're not even there yet. We're still type 0. That's all pathetic we are here on planet Earth. We're we're type 0, everybody. We're, we're a bunch of zeros. Okay, we're, we're all losers. We haven't gotten there yet. But if we can make it to type 1 civilizations, th- th- that means that you know we'll be able to travel through our, our solar system and we'll be able to do it in a lot faster manner than we do now. We'll be able to harness you know warp speed or light speed or something like that. So we'll be able to travel to other planets in, within minutes instead of months. Uh, what are the odds, I think, that we get there? It's, it's not looking good. It's not looking good. And I agree with Steve Bassett, who was on in the first hour, uh, where if 
Obama wants to save it as his administration. Now, this would be a great thing for him to do in open disclosure. But I think that disclosure could help us get to the type one civilization and not blow ourselves out of thin air, you know, which I think might happen if we don't get to that next level. What do you think? I think that um, I have no clue what's going to happen next. And I Nobody just does. Want, That's the amazing I, part. <laughs> yeah, I'm just ready to buy a vowel and try and figure it out. I'm just uh, happy to be along for the ride and along for the ride here on the Dark Matter Radio Network. And uh, real quick, I want to thank everybody who's been listening in. We've had a, a, you know, a lot of people listening in tonight uh, from all over the place, uh, all over Shotcast land. I want to thank uh, Bill Freeze from Talkstream Lives and uh, Keith Rowland, the owner of Dark Matter Radio Network. Uh, Art Bell for being a godfather to, uh, to all of us on radio and uh, my new co-host here full time, Mr. Alan Weiler. Uh, for being the co-host on the show on Skywatchers Radio. Of course, Steve Bassett for being the guest on the first hour. And Frank Statler for giving us a little bit of an auto-tune jam (laughs) for about 10 minutes. He really is a great guest, everybody. I mean, the guy is knowledgeable. He knows his stuff. He's doing research. But, man, we got to get him a cell phone because I really want to have him on the show. He's a really cool cat, but... Auto tunes, man. Well, at least he, you know, at least, he's, <laughs> at least he knows how to auto tune. But look, uh, we're going to be back next week again. We have an amazing guest, Jesse Marcel the third. Please tune in next week and uh, join us uh, again. This episode has been dedicated to the late Lloyd Pye, good friend and uh, a mentor to myself and many others on radio, and uh, not only on radio but all over in ufology. Just a, a, an amazing human being, and uh, he's going to be missed immensely and uh, hopefully his work carries on hopefully his family continues on in his footsteps and people carry forward his uh his message and carry forward his work which i think is a very important thing and uh lloyd pie you're lloyd you'll definitely be missed and uh you'll definitely be remembered by all of us by the way everybody please once again check out the website truthembargomovie.com uh that's a documentary that our good friend Stephen bassett who was on with us earlier uh is working on a uh, very important documentary to the movement of ufology please everybody check out that link again truth till next time everybody please keep looking up to the sky this is sky watchers radio for my co-host mr alan weiler i'm angel espino and this is the dark matter radio network and psn radio we're going to leave you now with a little bit of lloyd pie good night everybody good night Bye. I'm Lloyd Pye, and my new ebook, Intervention Theory Essentials, is all about origins. When it comes to the subject of origins, in our world only two positions are granted any merit. Either God did it or nature did it. One or the other, but not both. In this context, God and nature have nothing to do with each other, and neither do the proponents of both sides of that debate, creationists and evolutionists, who are usually called Darwinists after Charles Darwin, the man who gave them a scientific form of religious dogma in 1859. Understand that this debate is about the origins of everything, of the universe, of the solar system, of earth, of the first forms of life, of all the subsequent forms of life, dinosaurs, primates, and of course, humans. Most people are unaware that a third option exists, the intervention theory, which says God didn't do it, nature didn't do it, they did it. And who are they? Some people call them aliens, and some call them extraterrestrial biological entities, or EBEs. 
In my ebook, I call them terraformers. Whoever they are, they are living beings of some kind, whether human-like or otherwise, from somewhere beyond Earth, very likely beyond the solar system, but probably within the galaxy. They have terraformed our planet since it was coalescing with the rest of the solar system around 4.5 billion years ago. In the ebook, I go over in detail the steps they must have taken. First, they had to put a life form here that could survive any hellish environment that a congealing protoplanet could generate. Next, they had to be anaerobic, able to live without oxygen because no oxygen would be on a protoplanet. But even more important, they had to create oxygen as a byproduct of their life processes. Lo and behold, that is exactly what the terraformers delivered. Oxygen was essential for many reasons, especially reducing the abundant amounts of free iron into iron oxide, rust, so free oxygen could enter the atmosphere and begin to accumulate. That, too, the terraformers delivered. Once enough oxygen was free in the atmosphere, much larger and much more sophisticated bacteria could survive in it. So they, too, were delivered, as if on a calculated schedule. Some of the new bacteria needed oxygen to live, but others created abundant amounts of it as a part of their life cycles. Oxygen production carried up to and through 50 million years of dominance by the mysterious, still not well understood, Ediacaran biota. Then came the most bizarre event in biological history, the Cambrian Explosion, which is still so badly understood that most scientists avoid trying to make Darwinian sense of it. Why? Because evolution could not possibly have had anything to do with it. Yet science has no choice but insists that it did, somehow. After the Cambrian Explosion came all other forms of higher life on Earth, including the dinosaurs and the earliest primates. But what about those early primates, especially the ones known as Miocene apes? My new ebook will introduce you to several topics you won't have known about previously, so this subject is likely to catch you profoundly unaware. I'll explain why it's to the advantage of mainstream science to keep you ignorant about it. What they try hard to avoid discussing are hominoids, the bipedal primates found on every continent except Antarctica, and which go by names like Bigfoot, Sasquatch, Yeti, Abominable Snowman, Almas, Sadapa, and one that has become famous in recent years, the hobbits of Indonesia. Ponder this question. What if apes were bipedal from the start of their time on Earth, around 23 million years ago? What if, for those 23 million years, the ancestors of chimps and gorillas have shared the world stage with the ancestors of today's widely dispersed but steadfastly ignored hominoids? And what if all of them are still sharing that stage today, right now? If they are, if that speculation is true, then all of the creatures anthropologists assure us are pre-humans are in fact post-Miocene apes. And if that is true, then humans have no place on the natural flowchart of life on Earth. That, in turn, means we must have appeared here very recently. And if that is true, then it could only have occurred by one of two methods. Either we were brought here entirely and intact from somewhere else, or we were created here by genetic manipulation and or selective breeding to serve one or more specific purposes for those who decided to create us. 
Those two options leave absolutely no room for evolution or for God, so they are not welcome in the ongoing and quite intense debate about origins between the creationists and the Darwinists. But as my ebook shows, the overwhelming bulk of evidence is with neither of those positions. The best evidence by far is on the side of intervention theory, and the amount of it and the quality of it will surprise you. If you're one of the millions of people who have ever paused to wonder if religion and science have been telling you the truth about your origins, I'm sure you'll find that what you learn in Intervention Theory Essentials will satisfy your doubts. Check it out at www.lloydpie.com. It's 350 pages long with 230 photos and illustrations and 40,000 words. An average reader needs three hours to get through it, and those three hours will rock your worldview. Trust me. Sunwashers.